0: In professional sports, a franchise player is an athlete who is not simply the best player on their team, but one that the team can build their franchise around for the foreseeable future.
1: Welcome back into a brand new edition of Franchise Players here on Sports radio.com live every Friday afternoon. You can catch us on multiple terrestrial radio stations in the Triad. Uh, 5 o'clock in the TGI Friday lineup on WWBG 1470 AM at 6 o'clock if you missed it in Winston-Salem on WTOB 980 AM 96.7 FM. I'm your host, Desmond Johnson, bringing you the best from content creators, hosts, writers, uh, athletes, coaches, home around the triad, and more. Loaded show today, uh, we've got Joe DeLone from the Believe Podcast Network. He's going to preview the college football playoffs for us. Of course, Alabama taking on Michigan and Texas taking on Washington for the right to play for the national championship next week. So we'll get into his thoughts on that and uh, did they get the four right and the keys to the game for both of those. Um, and then we've got David Glenn coming in in his biweekly jaunt. We usually do Sports Buffet with David Glenn, but... I'm I'm moving all that out, and we're going to talk FSU versus the ACC. Uh, one of the best legal minds I can think of is Mr. David Glenn, and I want to find out how feasible is it for FSU to actually leave the ACC? Because there's there are people out there, uh, some of them my friends, that think that this is the beginning of the end of the ACC. I'm like not so fast. I'm not sure if this is actually where this is going to begin. So DG will be in to uh, to bat uh, to clean up here uh, at the end of the show before we begin uh shout out to believe podcast networks for a fantastic uh year this is uh year four i think i am with believe uh new and believe in panthers uh so just shout out to them shout out to everyone that's come in and subscribed and rated tobacco road sports radio over the past year it's been our biggest year yet uh thank you guys for getting us over a thousand subscribers a couple months ago and uh thanks to everyone who stopped by any of the shows podcasts uh, shorts, anything that we've done over the past year And uh, just keep an eye out because we're, we're still in the middle of growing and doing some things So keep an eye out for that uh, Starting us off today, he's part of the four-man rush You can catch them on uh, Twitter slash uh, X and YouTube uh, Podcasts, uh, analysis, uh, good stuff, good film stuff uh, Especially with the uh, season in session Kevin Avery joining the four-man rush What's going on, brother? How you doing, man?
0: Hey, what's up, Des? Great to be back on with you again How you feeling?
1: I'm good, man. Christmas was good to me. I got a little Christmas swag or whatever. So, you know, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, I finally stopped raining up here. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying I'm uh, enjoying today. So what I wanted to do, uh, of course, we always give you a little bit of Carolina Panther content in this. Um, and I wanted to do a little true false with Kev. So let's just go ahead and start it off. The past couple of weeks, rookie quarterback Bryce Young has taken a step forward. He's looked pretty good. Um, and each week feels like it's progression on the week prior. Bryce Young is a game changer. True or false?
0: Currently, I'm gonna say false. Are you, are you speaking a manner of like the, the cam game changer versus game manager thing? Or? Uh-huh.
1: Yeah. Me and Mona okay. talking about this last time. So we probably could have talked for two hours okay. about this topic. Uh, I guess the question really is: do you feel like Bryce Young is a game changer or a game manager? Because to me, huh? you, you are what you are when you first show up. You don't turn into a game changer, like you're you're a game changer uh. and pop warner. You know what I mean? Like that when you see that kid, you're like that's a game changer. Like you know what it looks like. Is Bryce a game changer or is he a game manager? I feel like I know what you want to say. Yeah. <laughs> I can yeah, see. I feel like I know what you want yeah. to say. It's not. Those- it's not bad, Kevin. Go go ahead. It's not bad.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm gonna say he's a game. I'm gonna say he's a game manager.
1: Well, it's not a bad thing. It's not. No, no, no. Thing.
0: It's it's look. It's, that's the problem. It's, it's it's not. It's not a bad thing. It's that connotation that. Oh, game management means oh you just in there and as, long as you don't turn the ball over and um you know and you know stay out the way you know the, you'll you know the team should be just good enough to win um now i, I don't I, I don't i don't see it like that the way this roster is presently constructed um yeah this, this is definitely um, um a game managing situation for uh for bryce Young
1: he could thrive. He could thrive, man. I like. I've considered Tua a game manager, but look what he's managing. Yeah. <laughs> you
0: know what I mean? Like what he's yeah. around him. Like that's that is not a bad connotation. I feel like I feel like the media. Yeah, we, got has Fer- we got a Ferrari and a, and a Lamborghini on the outside. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. manage those yeah.
1: well. <laughs> got couple forces in the backfield too. Like I mean, like he's literally like surrounded with talent. That's the dream for for us with Bryce, right? Like we're hoping that we can build an offense similar to Miami to put around Bryce so that he can actually do that too in that situation he's not a game changer he's the he's managing the game (laughs) you know and like i was looking through it i was like okay tom brady ultimate game manager like the best of all time you know but that was his game it really was uh drew Brees, top five probably all time game manager i like if he if he had stuff around him i mean dude was throwing michael thomas (laughs) you know what i mean like if he had stuff around him he gonna be able to do what he's gonna do the only one i was like okay technically he's a game manager, but there's something different about him was Peyton Manning. And really that was yes. more mental. You know what I mean? Like he dissected the game in terms of like Luke Keekley dissected the game from the other side. Yes. Like if it was that easy, everybody would do it. So I thought I slept on it last night. Cause I called Peyton Manning a game manager and I woke up and like, no, he can actually affect the game in other ways that people can't. And that was kind of my definition. So I'd put Peyton Manning as a game changer. Now, Cam was right when he said there's really only three or four that exist at any given time in the NFL. And right now, Mm -hmm. Pat Mahomes, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, and Aaron Rodgers were the four that he said. And yeah, and I would agree with that. Somebody like Anthony Richardson, we haven't seen enough, but we can say he would be a game changer if he's if he, you know, meets all of his potential or whatever. But that's just the thing to me, like game changers, you see them in high school. You know what I mean? Like when you're watching from the crowd, you see some dude that's like just three times faster than everybody else, and he's just doing like this, like running past people, that's a game, like, you see him, you know, like, oh, that dude is, that dude's going to play on Saturday. That dude's going to play on Sunday. Game managers can grow into ultimate game managers, but they can't grow into game changers, in my opinion. Game changers can grow into game managers. Like, we yeah. wanted Cam to become a game manager, remember? Like, we wanted him to mm-hmm. kind of tighten it up a little bit. That's my kind of thing. We never wanted Tom Brady to, you know, Rush for 150 yards, and you know, what I mean, like, just right. it, I don't know, it, there's, just, there's just a clear difference to me. So, to that, I'm, I'm like, Cam was a thousand percent correct. Um, let me get back on the Panthers real quick, though. Jeremy Chin, safety Jeremy Chin, we were sold a bill of goods, so this dude was gonna be all over the place this year. He has been non existent. I don't know what's going on, I don't know what happened, but Jeremy Chin will not be a Panther next year. True or false? True, dang, it. and
0: that hurts me, to say, and that hurts me to say that because I'm a big time. Jeremy Chin, um, you know, fan. You know, as you know, he's a a relative of NFL legend safety. Um, Was it, was it running? Was it not running live? Or was it at? No, Steve Atwater. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. One of those. Yeah. Yeah. Steve Atwater. Yeah. Bringing back. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. I mean, you know, coming out of college, looking at his film, uh, the versatility. I mean, he was playing corner, he was playing safety, he's playing dime linebacker. So, you, know, you really felt like you had a, a, um, a chess piece that you could plug in anywhere uh, defensively, and like you said, coming into the season, we were sold a bill of goods. Like, yeah, watch what we do with Chin, and you know, it was just talk of you know big nickel versus regular nickel, and you know these type of things, and you know we're in nickel sub packages eighty percent of the time anyway. Uh, but it just seemed like we just could never get them on the field, and then you know the late signing of. Cornerback Troy Hill, who's mm. dominated the the nook of cornerback reps, uh, he's playing well. Even when, yeah, it's right well. But now he's out with a uh, concussion. He's on concussion protocol from what I uh, from what I read on the injury report. So, you know, could Chin, you know, get more snaps? You know, coming up, you know, these last two games. Uh, I, yeah, but uh, I just, I just, it's just hard pressed for me to see. And it's not his fault. Like, don't be surprised if Chin goes to a team that knows how to use him. And, and he goes off and we look about why do we get why you do that with us. Well, it's our story,
1: off. man. That's that's what right. we do. What <laughs> like we we do. send them on their way and then they just they balloon out and they're like, ah, because I could see him. I'm like. Buffalo, Buffalo is the first name thing that comes to mind. He'll be in Buffalo next year underneath McDermott and he's going to look like a superstar. Like, I can't figure out why I can't get on the field, like because he can play multiple spots and you would think in uh and a and, and uh defense that he would find a home someplace he just hasn't been able to stick and this is year four of his rookie contract so i mean the Panthers are gonna have a decision to, well he's gonna be an r- unrestricted free agent they didn't extend him or anything so uh would he come back here after not playing this year really i don't think so i think you're right on that one so uh kevin avery from the four-man rush joining us here to start off the show uh franchise players new year's edition here on tobacco road sports radio and uh wwbg 1470 a.m Michigan head coach Jim Harbaugh has been in the news a lot uh, the past couple of weeks. Just had some uh, the stuff from the summer uh, notice of allegations from the NCAA handed down to them. Um, mm-hmm. He's been suspended twice uh, in this season, yet his team is the number one uh, seed in the college football playoff. And they're going to be taking on four seed Alabama um, this weekend. Jim Harbaugh will not leave college football this year. True or false? I'm going to say true. True, he won't uh, leave.
0: Yeah, he won't leave. I, I think he'll definitely um, remain um, in the NFL. I mean, uh, sorry, in the NCAA. I truly feel that way. Uh, yeah, in spite of all of these, you know, allegations and things of that nature. I, I just feel like his personality. I don't think he want to bail out on those terms. You know, it's kind of like, you know, a save face. Let me clip. Let me justify. You know, myself and let me you know, clear up, you know, the family name, you know, behind all of this. So I, I could see him um, stand in college um, and continuing uh, to coach. Uh, for last, I heard I heard that Michigan was prepared to offer him something around $11 million a season on a new deal.
1: Yeah, I saw that. Too. Like was a he five ten year, a 11
0: million. I thought it was a 10
1: year deal. Well, I thought it was like 10 years or something oh, like that. Like, geez. but he has to ten like years. agree to not pursue NFL jobs or something if he signs it or something like that. So. Um, I think his ultimate goal is to get back to the NFL, but I think the goal before that is to get a national championship for Michigan. Like, I think if he say in the next two weeks Michigan wins the whole thing, they win the national championship, that would be the time to go if he's going to go. Because to be honest, the NCAA been on him like uh, Monty's been on these dudes on Twitter, like <laughs> literally, <laughs> like they've been on Harbaugh's neck like all year. And some of the stuff I'm just like, for real, like he just bought like some hamburgers for some kids or whatever. And this is a, a violation that's a three game suspension. But we got dudes that are getting. Million dollar NIL deals now, like it just don't make any sense. Like, I would get tired of it after a while. So, if he left, I'm thinking Bears, Panthers, Chargers played for all three. Um, he was sniffing around us last year. We we were the ones didn't want him. Now, look at us, (laughs) look at us in hindsight. Like, maybe we messed up. So, um, I don't know. That's an interesting one, though, but I agree with you. This temperament's really more suited for college, probably, and dealing with young men as opposed to people with mortgages and children. Like, so I don't know. It's almost like if he goes to the NFL, it's only gonna be like for a four-year window before it starts to wear off a little bit. So right. Um so that's that's a good good assessment there. Uh defensive end Brian Burns will sign a long-term deal in the offseason with the Carolina Panthers. True or false? True.
0: Um, my reason being the fact that we passed up two first round picks and a third, I believe, that was Offered by the Rams uh four
1: from my understanding. They came back around and we turned them down again.
0: <laughs> so, so I don't what are we uh,
1: golly? What are we doing? What are we doing, Kevin?
0: <laughs> I, like I said, man, it's just and the crazy part is it's not like we're salad cap strapped and you know things like that. Um and there's you you probably know a little bit about it. Um because uh, I've heard you discuss it on, you know, I believe with uh, Skyler and Jonathan, you know, when it comes to the, you know, salary cap, you know, those things of, you know, spreading guaranteed money out, you know, putting a lot of the bone, like you can create more salary cap with these uh, contract extensions. Mm-hmm. And, you know, from where I played around with, I, I think like currently right now we're sitting at around 40 million, but with like a five-year extension to both him and Frankie Luvu like that would generate us getting another 20, 25 million to use towards the, uh, towards the salary cap. You know, oh. it's all about, you know, where you, uh, how you spread out the, um, the, the guaranteed money and, and, you know, things of that nature. So um, sign a brown branch to a long-term extension could only, you know, help and, um, and benefit us, you know, not only on the field, but, you know, salary cap uh, as, as wise. Cause you know, um, you know he's he's he said, and I think he just recently said that he wants to be here in Carolina.
1: He did, right? yeah, earlier this week in the locker room. He said he said nothing like change, and uh he mentioned that he could have left Florida State when Florida because he was at Florida State while they were kind of going down, mm-hmm. and he didn't. He decided to stick around. He said he's just he, he hates change and he wants to be here and everything else, which sounded great. My, my I'm not worried about him. I'm more worried about the Panthers because. Since Tepper took over, they've only they've only signed one big contract. Now it's Christian McCaffrey. And he's not here. <laughs> they 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 decided, oh, that was too big. And then they traded him back out. So it's been six years. It's been six years. David Tepper has not handed out any money to anybody in six years, really. Like not big time money. So ooh, right. I don't know. And plus, you know, they're gonna use the stats this year against him. Um he's been doubled like every play, <laughs> like literally all year. So um I think he's got six sacks he's sitting on right now. We'll see how, how he plays throughout the rest of the year. Um, real quick, rapid right fire, before, before I get you out of here. General Manager Scott Fitter will not be fired at the end of the season. True or false? False. You think he's out of here?
0: I, I think he's out of here. Why I is feel he still like... here?
1: <laughs> why is he still here? He don't even go to the school. Why, why is he still here? <laughs>
0: Man. You know, one. You know, one thing I've seen with Tepper is that um, he, he, when he cleans house, he does it. Um, he splits. He splits to work. Like yes. you saw how the Chargers, you know, they got rid of both uh, their coach and Ginterman at the same time. As
1: mm-hmm. matter
0: of fact, what I think the rumor was, he was actually fired at halftime. <laughs> from <what I> heard.
2: <laughs>
1: Oh, that you one. Know, yeah, he probably. Right. Yeah. Probably, yeah when, when they got was beat, like what
0: sixty-three, it was like forty-two <laughs> nothing at the half. I mean, it was just
1: <laughs> that poor reporter tried to interview him as he was walking off the field going into the locker room at halftime. It's like, what do you say? <laughs> like we're getting right. destroyed. Like, what? Are, what do you want me to say here? But uh. I saw somebody say Brandon Staley is going to be a good option for the Panthers. I'm like, you must be out. Uh, your (laughs) Why would we want Brandon Staley?
0: (laughs) No, no. why, why, why we want to bring that, why we wouldn't bring that here. But yeah, but back to the subject, um, as you know, I I defended Scott Fitter. I said, because since Matt rule had final say on personnel decisions, I wasn't going to judge Scott Fitter based on this year's free agents and draft class. Uh, And the, the, the bumbling around with Brian Burns contract, kind of is just you know has stymied me like bro like what like what do you like why are we trying to lowball this guy like he has all the leverage he, yeah. he has earned his money you know you see a lot of fans talking about oh but he only has six or seven sacks and you you don't realize the impact that he played like it's, it's i get that position that uh sacks are a sexy stat mm-hmm. but i mean let's talk about how much better of a run defender brian burns is how much he uh, sets the edge a lot better. How much gap integrity he has. Not, every once in a while, yeah, he does get blown off the ball. But that happens to everybody. I've seen Donald. Right. I've seen Aaron Donald get blown back and put on his back before. So things happen to the best of his Football, but but just overall, his resume. Um, uh, we definitely need it, you know. And I think when Shaq Thompson, you know, came back on a lesser deal, uh, he was saying it was guys like Brian Burns that made him want to come back. He's like, these are my guys. I want to ride for. If I die for. If I lose, I want to lose with these guys. When I win, I want to win with these guys. So I think that it's a business, but it's also a, bro- a real brotherhood there. And I just really feel like that Scott Fitter is not the guy to to maintain that brotherhood and, 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 and um, you know, to move forward with the coaching. Um, I, I definitely want a GM that's going to be able to pick the next coach. But, again, with David Tepper, we don't know how he's going to do it.
1: Yeah. So um, the more days that go by it makes me feel like he ain't going nowhere because I'm like, how you fire a dude that's only doing what you asked him to do. You know what I mean? Like he's only mainly doing what Tepper's asking him to do. Some of it blew up. Some of it worked out, but to kind of put it on fitter when we all sat back and we're like, well, Tepper's the one that's really telling him what to do. And now they are going to fire fitter. I don't know. I don't, I don't, he's still here. Like, so I'm kind of like, I don't know if they are going to fire him. He might end up surviving this. So, We'll see, though, but I got to get you out of here. I got David Glenn coming in right behind you. Follow uh, the Four Man Rush on Twitter at Four Man Rush. That's the number 4-O-U-R-M-A-N-R-U-S-H. Uh, Kev, Monty Fetty, who you see uh, each week on Embrace Debate uh, on the Fans First Sports Network with me and uh, and Cody from uh, the C3 podcast uh, and more. Uh, definitely go check them out. Season's still going on. Panthers taking on the Jags Sunday at 1 o'clock today, uh, this Sunday, and Trevor Lawrence might not be playing. He's got a sprained AC joint in his uh, throwing shoulder, so – uh, he hadn't practiced all week up to this point. We'll see if he's going to actually show up in Jacksonville. Uh, Kev, I appreciate you coming on, bro.
0: Hey, thanks again, Des. It was a pleasure. And um, let's hope we can finish out two wins and um, head into this offseason with some momentum, bro.
1: It felt good. It, it felt it, even win. And it felt good, like, just competing. <laughs> That's how we are. Just compete. Just compete, Panthers, please. Yeah. Just give us and on the,
0: bas- the basketball <laughs> note, go Heels. Yes. <laughs> We're back. We're back, baby.
1: <laughs> we back. We've been quiet all this time. We outside this year, so We're, we back. Yeah, we outside. Uh, yeah. We <laughs> outside. Uh, we got my man David Glenn coming in in just a bit. You're listening to the Franchise Players here on tobacco road, sports radio.com.
0: Franchise players are often referred to as the face of the franchise.
2: Yeah.
1: So welcome back into franchise players here on WWBG 1470 AM part of the TGI Friday lineup here every Friday afternoon at 5 PM. You can hear it in Greensboro. If you miss it, you can hear the replay uh, in Winston Salem on WTOB 980 AM 96.7 FM. And of course you can watch it on youtube.com forward slash at tobacco road sports radio. Joining us for his biweekly joint through franchise players uh he is from the north carolina sports network you can follow him at david glenn show mr david glenn what's going on dg
3: hey Dez. great to be with you happy holidays merry christmas early happy new year to you all the above good to be with you
1: Feels good. Feels good. 2024 looks like it's going to be a good year for everybody. Everybody doing some things, making some moves. Make sure you go follow North Carolina Sports Network on YouTube where you can get new episodes of the David Glenn Show. Um, normally we do uh, sports buffet when I have DG in the house, so I can kind of take advantage of him knowing about multitude of things. But this week I wanted to actually focus on one particular topic, and that's Florida State versus the ACC. Um, since the last time we talked, Florida State's basically taken the ACC to court uh, regarding the grant of rights. The ACC has countersued FSU uh, for suing them, and I've had uh, discussions with uh, JP, ah. JP Mundy, and others uh, about the the validity of this. And I want you to kind of first set the table. What, what is FSU doing? Like, what are they trying to do here in your in in a court of law? And I'm asking you this because you being a lawyer, you you know the legal ease here that some of us are just assuming. So first, let's just let's just go through that. What is FSU trying to do here?
3: Well, FSU wants to leave the Atlantic Coast Conference, and Florida State has really exhausted all of its other options that would lead to a quick and easy and inexpensive departure from the ACC. For example, if you somehow got the majority of existing ACC members to disband the conference— well, then, which is not easy and is not going to happen. Right. Obviously, that would allow FSU to leave without worrying about an exit fee, without worrying about the grant of rights uh, all the way through 2036. If you could get a significant number of ACC teams to leave with you, that would threaten the conference in ways that could uh, disturb the, the way the, the actual grant of rights and the exit fee are applied. You could just say the heck with it, and you know, get private equity to bankroll you for a while. They explored that. It's not quite as easy as a lot of the FSU media one time said it was going to be. And you know, they're not going to get out on some kind of a weird state sovereignty claim, which again is is one of the now countless examples over the last eleven years of a lot of folks, some media members, but also some pseudo media members. Suggesting something quick and easy and, of course, that falling by the wayside very predictably if you actually talk to people who know what they're talking about. But what FSU knows here, even if the Seminoles know, the chances of them leaving quickly are zero and the chances of the Seminoles leaving the ACC at no penalty are zero. They know that. Their attorneys are smart people. However, they believe that this break, break glass in case of emergency. We know none of those other scenarios are going to happen. We know the Big Ten and the SEC, the two rich conferences, are not going to extend an invitation, even though we are, we FSU, are a desirable football commodity. There's no doubt about it. In a vacuum, would the Big Ten be interested in, the FSU, in FSU? Yes, no doubt about it. We don't live in a vacuum. And Big Ten has told Florida State, get your legal mess figured out or you are not a candidate. And some Florida State fans don't want to hear that. They wouldn't have the team. That's the reality. (laughs) So you file this lawsuit knowing you're not going to win on all counts, knowing that you're going to advance every legal argument you can, as you should if this is the way you feel like you need to go, but knowing that the ACC – on a lot of contract law issues, which I've practiced contract law since 1994, a lot of the contract laws favor the ACC, uh, the the issues there, in my opinion. Um, and, And there's also antitrust issues that are harder to predict, in my opinion, and definitely more complicated than the contract law issues. The bottom line is, if Florida State can advance this thing to a point where Maybe a judge says, your argument here is pretty good, or or the ACC did not follow its rules here in its negotiations with ESPN. Um, if you get to the point where down the road, and I'm talking about more than a year down the road, not the first judge, but an important judge down the road, at some point is going to say to both sides, Des, hey, lawyers representing the ACC, in my opinion, you have a really strong case, but you do not have a 100% chance of victory on every issue. And they're going to say to the Florida state attorneys, sir, ma'am, you have some interesting legal arguments. And on some of them, your chance of winning is greater than 0%. Now, the judge is not going to tell you it's 20% or 40%. They're just going to say, you have some valid points here that are worth further exploring. Well, the more The more the ACC attorneys hear what they want to hear, the strength of their arguments, well, then the more the ACC has leverage. The more the Florida state attorneys hear what they want to hear, hey, this antitrust issue or this contractual issue is intriguing and you have a chance to win here as the discovery process continues, well, then the more FSU's attorneys feel like they have at least some leverage. So what's going to happen eventually, Des? We know Florida state is not going to pay the contractual amount, $572 million no, to leave. Sir. No, <laughs> excuse me. We also know they're not going to pay zero to leave yeah. the, as the legal process unfolds, both sides are going to have a much better grasp of their chance of victory. And at that point, the judge won't end up saying this, but if the judge ended up saying you have a fifty percent chance of winning and you have a fifty percent chance of winning, why don't y'all just cut the number in half and move on with your lives? Like that is that is a hypothetical scenario before you get in front of a jury someday, before you get into a judge making some final legal decisions. Again, all these things are going to take time. We don't. Florida State's filed its its lawsuit in Florida the ACC filed its lawsuit in North Carolina. So you got to fight jurisdictional lawsuits even before you get to the brunt of the case. Ugh. It's going to take a while. Florida state's going to have to pay a significant amount of money to leave, but is that number going to be 100 million? Is it going to be 500 million? That's why you got to follow the legal process as we've as judges start to tell both sides, you know, where their arguments are good and where they might win and where their arguments are ridiculous and where they're likely to lose.
1: So here so here's my question because we keep hearing that buyout number which is basically the operating budget of the ACC times 3 if I'm not mistaken plus there's a there's a fee in there so it all comes up to like $572 million. But from my understanding the way the the grant of rights addendum was written the ACC owns the TV rights to to Florida state regardless of what happens. So even Correct. if they pay that fee They still wouldn't have their TV rights. Right. Like they would still belong to the ACC. So what are they paying the fee for?
3: Well, the the negotiated settlement, if you eventually said if a judge said, why don't you all or a mediator says get in a room and figure it out. Florida State wants a divorce. And once one party is adamant about a divorce, really, it becomes a matter of picking a number. Yeah. And the ACC is going to want that number as close to $572 million as possible. Obviously, Florida State wants it as small as possible. But when you settle, you can say, well, the ACC gets the pick-a-number, $400 million, but now the Seminoles have the right to market their own media rights. So, so the they would kind of be
1: buying the rights yeah, back. Yeah, they're
3: buying them back, essentially. Okay. So that's how that would work.
1: So uh, my thing, too, and this was kind of my argument to the whole thing, because the ones that have argued with me about it, they're like, well, the ACC has not acted in good faith on the contract. And that's the argument that Florida State can use. My thing is, A, how do you prove that, that they haven't acted in good faith, like in a court of law? Like, it's one thing to sit around a lunch table and discuss this, like with friends. And, you know, it's different in a court of law to prove that the ACC has acted in bad faith towards the the teams in the league. Plus, the ACC is kind of. It's almost like the ACC kind of knew this was going to happen because they kind of took some steps so that if this wasn't a court of law, they could come back and go, "No, we've actually done some things in the past couple of years to try to generate additional revenue." Once we realized the deal with ESPN was going to be surpassed by these other leagues, uh, we some of us laughed at the CW deal that they 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 struck, but in actuality, that added more dollars to the bottom line for all the schools in the ACC by doing that. Even it might be CW, but it doesn't matter. They went out and tried to find more money or. Bringing in the three schools, SMU and Cal and Stanford seems weird on the surface, but by expanding the number of teams in the league, it extends the payout to everybody in the league. So the, can they not go to court, the ACC, if that's the argument from Florida State, that they've been bamboozled by the league and weren't serviced in good faith by the league? Can't the league counter that with, well, we've done this, we've done that, we've done this for the past couple of years. So you can't say we're not acting in good faith and we're still constantly adding money to your bottom line by doing certain things. That's where I'm stuck. Cause I'm like, if that's their argument that that's the main way they're going to get out of it, they're going to lose it. There's no way to win that argument.
3: Yeah. Florida state, a lot of folks who are arguing on behalf of Florida state are forgetting one simple fact. And that is the FSU attorneys put in their 38 page lawsuit, only the information that would benefit Florida state. Yes. And and another <laughs> thing, a lot of those folks don't understand And in my opinion, Florida State has a better chance of making a good legal argument on the antitrust aspect of it, which which is basically going to be, hey, according to this Florida statute and maybe at some point, according to this federal law, the grant of rights being so long, 20 years and and being so such a a big part of this five hundred and seventy two million dollar penalty. Let me make clear, this is not a perfect analogy, but if you or I, Des, as media members, signed a non-compete clause, a lot of those are legal, but if it was a broad enough non-compete clause, if, if if you signed with somebody and you're making big bucks and they make you sign in your contract, yeah, if Des leaves my media company, he's not allowed to work anywhere in North America for the next 10 years. Yeah. Some judge somewhere is going to say that's an an antitrust violation. That is an illegal restraint on train on on trade, not because uh, non compete clauses are illegal, but because that specific non compete clause is so broad with its geography. Des can't work anywhere in all of North America, or it's so broad because of the years. Ten years. We really want this man not to work in media for ten years because he's leaving his company and this contract he signed. So it's a long way of saying many, 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 many non-compete clauses are legal. But when they get too expansive in their geography, too expansive in their dollar value, too expansive in their number of years, sometimes judges say that's an antitrust violation. So Florida State's going to argue that for this very lengthy grant of rights and this very large penalty. But on the contractual issues, I don't think a lot of these folks understand what bad faith means. Yeah. ACC commissioners could be buffoonish, could be idiotic, could literally bump into each other like the Three Stooges, could miscalculate the market, could sign a deal in TV deal that did turn out to be under the market, could make all sorts of other miscalculations. None of that. None of, none of the incompetence that I just described rises to the level of bad faith. And anybody making that argument has no clue what they're talking about. Bad faith is a legal concept that requires ill intent. I have to be trying yes. on purpose to defraud you. I have to be lying to you. I have to be undercutting you unfairly on purpose. I have to be hiding things from you dishonestly. Now, if Florida State can show examples of those things, then you get closer to bad faith. I'm telling you right now, so many Florida State fans think that just because the ACC's TV deal turned out so horribly that, and these other leagues signed better deals, that that is a sign of fiduciary mismanagement or that is a sign of bad faith by itself. Absolutely, positively not. Nowhere in Florida State's 38-page lawsuit do they mention that the Atlantic Coast Conference is a lot more like the Big 12. In other words, are you really going to argue that it was the negotiating power of either ex-Commissioner John Swafford or anyone else representing the ACC? You really believe that the reason the ACC's TV deal is so much smaller is that he was a lousy negotiator? Right, yeah. <laughs> now, I'm telling you, you can make the argument that he should have been a, neg- a, a better negotiator. You can make the argument that he gave ESPN too much. Too many options, too many delayed deadlines. There there are some fair points on the Florida State side. But what Florida State is going to hear and they don't want to hear, the biggest difference between the Big 10 and the SEC, the best richest conferences. And the Atlantic Coast Conference is absolutely not negotiating wizardry. It is the fact that Big Ten and SEC fans watch football games in many millions more numbers and a more consistent basis. And they have more schools whose fan bases watch football to the tune of, you know, 20 million viewer audiences and lots and lots of four and five and six and seven million audiences. And guess what? The ACC and the Big 12 do not have nearly as many of those large football TV audiences. Do you really think that, does anybody really think the starting point for TV negotiations has to do with, Somebody's negotiating wizardry. John yeah. Swafford was not holding aces, kings and queens in his hands as he was negotiating the TV money number with his partners at ESPN. You or I could have been the commissioner of the Big 10 and the SEC and start we're starting with aces and kings and queens. Mm-hmm. Not because yep. we're brilliant negotiators, but because it is in numerical black and white how many people over many, many years watch Big Ten football and SEC football, and it is a much lower number, provably, not my opinion, it's, it's over many years, absolutely undeniable, and you cannot win an argument otherwise, that the starting point, more people watch Big Ten and SEC football by a lot, then watch ACC or Big Ten, foot, Big Twelve football. So why are those two leagues secondary financially? Because their football product isn't nearly as good. It's, now it, again, you could say Swafford <laughs> didn't get enough. You could say that he wasn't a great negotiator. But the the starting point is no negotiator in the history of the world would have gotten the same for ACC football as for Big Ten and SEC football, period, end of story. And that's a hard argument, not on the antitrust side. That's a different argument. On the contractual issues of bad faith and fiduciary mismanagement, you can't just say we didn't get a good enough deal. That is not winning your case.
1: That seems to be the argument, too, um, as as I get you out of here. To me, it's like, they're trying to have protection for stupidity that, that's basically what the the, the the end result here is that the law doesn't protect stupidity like if you make a bad deal you're going to be stuck with it more times than not and in florida state's mind they've made a bad deal and they they're crying about it and they feel like it's a, it's not fair so they want out of it and that's right they feel like, and, and, and it's not fair i mean it's not but you florida signed states, it <laughs> you signed florida it
3: it's right that it creates a lot more value than it gets with its one fourteenth, roughly slice of the financial pie. But that's not a winning legal argument. You joined a league voluntarily that shared its revenue equally for, at this point, 70 years. And when you joined, (laughs) it was what, 50 years or 40 years at that point. So again, Florida State does have some intriguing legal arguments. But anyone expecting a slam dunk on fiduciary mismanagement or bad faith is not doing their homework or does not understand the law, or is listening to the wrong people. And there's a lot of con artists out there that have been telling you Florida State's on the verge of leaving the ACC as long ago as 2012. And those people have been wrong 11 years running while people who know what they're talking about have been right for 11 years running.
1: That stuff is clickbait to me. Like the, the people that are writing the stuff, it or it's it's fluff stuff where they're writing it in. They're like, well, Florida State's going see, to they see they've got a good chance to get out stuff. And all of us reading are like, no, they don't.
3: <laughs> no, they I don't. Mean, it, it, and they're, they're, they're going to get out, but it's going to be expensive. We just don't know how expensive. Or,
1: or it's going to be in 2036. <laughs> you know, like it's going to be one or the other. And then to me, to close it up here, I'm, I'm just looking at it like, Another thing, too, you mentioned it earlier. We don't even know if the Big Ten or the SEC even want FSU Like at this point. like I can't figure out why the SEC would even want them. They're, they already have a Florida football. SEC
3: is more complicated. Yeah, I think
1: like, the Ten, there's no I reason think, for them to take I them. I think
3: the Big Ten would because FSU is the best football brand in the ACC. Yeah. Even when the Seminoles don't win as much on the field in football, they still get great viewership numbers overall. And it would be new geography for the Big Ten. And that means yes. more Big Ten network subscribers, more overall viewers, you know, they just expanded to California for the first time with South, Southern Cal and UCLA to the Northwest for the first time with Oregon and Washington. It is not coincidence that every time the Big Ten expands, it's for large public universities in a new geography where they did not previously exist.
0: Mm,
1: so keep that in also mind. has
3: a good football brand. Right. So yeah. Florida State fits all three of those descriptions. Remember, a decade ago, the Big Ten expanded to a new geography in the form of Maryland and Rutgers.
1: <laughs> yeah, who which exactly kind of kicked off all dollars. this with the ACC? Like that's kind of the spark of what the reason why the Grand of Right exists. I think people forget that that they yes. weren't doing it for money; they were doing Correct. it for survival. Like they, they wanted were doing to do it for st-
3: they were doing it for stability. Yeah, they were sacrificing some money, and of course, they were sacrificing the ability to have new windows down the road. That if mar- if TV money, the marketplace went up in a big way, the a- ACC was going to lose out, obviously, on that rise. But again, the Big Ten and the SEC, they've benefited from the rise of the marketplace, but their starting point is still more people watch their football product. And it's hard to slice that pie exactly. But you know, the ACC is just much more similar to the Big 12 than it is to those other two leagues. And guess what? The ACC's finances, even with, you could argue, some bad errors of judgment, they're still similar money-wise to the Big 12. Big 12. And it's because they have a similar football product to the Big 12.
1: it's it's a mess. We'll see. This is far from over, so we'll probably have more than one discussion about this as we go forward. But follow him on Twitter at David Glenn Show. Uh, Go and rate and subscribe to North Carolina Sports Network where you can catch David Glenn Show, uh, I think, every week. Every week, every other week you've been doing uh, new episodes there. Every
3: week and and lots of little stuff in between.
1: Yeah, so definitely go get that content there. Um, Mr. David Glenn, appreciate you being on, bro.
3: Right back at you, Dez. Always good to be with you.
1: Coming up, Believe Network's Joe DeLeon, come on and uh, preview the two national semifinal games coming up this weekend here in college football. You're listening to Franchise Players here on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com.
0: Franchise players are often referred to as the face of the franchise.
1: Thanks for sticking around, listening to Franchise Players here on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com here every Friday afternoon. Uh, you can catch a brand-new episode. We'll get you caught up on Panthers, Hornets, ACC hoops, uh, you name it, uh, here in the triad of North Carolina on WWBG, 1470 AM and WTOB, 980 AM and 96.7 FM. Shout-out to Kevin Avery from the four-man rush who joined us earlier. And, of course, David Glenn broke down the whole Florida State versus the ACC uh, fiasco that we're watching uh, burn from afar. Uh, joining us right now is from the Believe Podcast Network's uh, producer and host Joe DeLeon. You can catch him on the uh, Rafino and Joe show. Uh, follow them on Twitter slash X at Rufino in Joe show uh, and go and check out their uh, their channel on YouTube as well where you can catch new episodes each week as they dissect the SEC and college football. What's going on Joe? How you doing?
2: I'm doing pretty good. It feels a little weird this past this past week getting these exhibition-style bowl games, but man, I'm excited just to talk about this playoff. It feels like it's been forever since we broke down the, the four seeds and the way that it came out. I'm ready for these guys to play and to see who's going to be competing for a national championship.
1: Man, I just watched my North Carolina Tar Hill. Well, I didn't watch it, but I just saw my North Carolina Tar Hills and West Virginia in the uh the Duke's Mayo bowl in Charlotte, where it was about ninety percent West Virginia fans. Um, <laughs> so yeah, That's I don't know. It just, <laughs> it's just crazy. Like, um, you're right. These 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 uh appetizer bowls, I call them, the ones that are like you don't even know who's playing half the time because a lot of kids have opted out or they're in the transfer portal now. So it's like it's really hard to even figure out who's on the rosters uh, unless you're in the college football playoff. And that's where I want to start off. Let's We're just going to keep it simple uh, with this segment here uh, while I got Joe and I'm, I'm glad I've got him. I want to go through one through four why that particular team should win uh, the national championship. And of course, we're going to start off at the top. Um, for those that don't know, the semifinal games are going to be played. Uh, This Monday, New Year's Day, uh, semifinal number one is at the Rose Bowl. Um, It's fourth seed Alabama taking on number one seed Michigan. The second game is at 8.45 p.m. uh, at the Allstate Sugar Bowl. Uh, That's third seed Texas taking on second seed Washington. Both games on ESPN. Let's start off at the very top, number one seed Michigan. Why will Michigan win the national championship, Joe?
2: I think the big reason why uh, Michigan can pull out this game and then end up uh, winning the national championship is – all in line with the fact that this is a senior-driven team. This team is loaded with guys who decided to come back last year. The return of Blake Corum and having Donovan Edwards in their run game makes this team very, very strong on the offensive side of the football. But I also – what I really point to for why Michigan has been so formidable this season and why it felt like every time we came into – they didn't have a lot of difficult matchups, but whenever we came into a difficult matchup for them – Some people wanted to to doubt what they were capable of doing, but they stepped up to the plate along their defensive line and they dominated in the trenches. They have uh, two deep with two different units uh, on their defensive line that have just completely smothered and beaten up opposing offensive lines, opposing quarterbacks. So if there is a team that is built to slow down Alabama's uh, explosive offense that has been really good over the past month of the season, if there is a team that has the linebackers to bottle up Jalen Milroe and properly spy him like Georgia was unable to do, it's going to be Michigan. It's all going to be contingent on what their defense does, and if they can continue to carry this team, and also if J.J. McCarthy is not completely mistake-free but plays cleaner football than we've seen him play in spurts uh, in these bigger games in the final stretch of the year.
1: It feels like this is This is Michigan's to lose, doesn't it? Like, it feels like this is kind of their story to kind of write. You know, they were there last year. Um, All the stuff with Harbaugh. The dude's been suspended twice in one season. (laughs) I mean, you know, all this stuff swirling around him. Is he going to stay? I could see a scenario where they win the national championship and he walks off and goes back to the NFL. To my Panthers. But you know, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see how that turns out. Um, let's go to second seed, the Washington Huskies. I felt like Michigan and Washington were the two best teams in college football all season. Um, they're in the semifinal, going up against Texas. Why will number two seed Washington win the national championship?
2: Plain and simple, because they're the most unique team that's in the playoff right now. You look at all these these other teams, how their roster is constructed. They run the football. They play really physical. A uh, stout defense along the line of scrimmage, like I just talked about with Michigan, but Washington has a good O line. They've got a, a, an improving run game um, that was, you know, got better as the season went on and in, in the final stretch of the year. But what has made them so hard to keep up with is that they've got three top 100 pick receivers: in Jalen P- Polk, uh, Jalen McMillan, and Roma Dunze and they're just able to stretch opposing defenses on a level that nobody else in the country could do because Michael Penix has a cannon for an arm. They, they almost play offense, the way I've compared them, is as a you know fast-break style basketball team that's just trying to move the ball up the court as quickly as possible. But most importantly, it forces other teams to stoop down to their style of play and try to play their game because they're trying to play catch-up. We saw that happen in the PAC 12 championship game is that Washington scores so quickly, they get on the board so quickly that Oregon completely abandons this slow, methodical short passing attack that has gotten them that far. And because they abandoned it, Bo Nix started making mistakes. They weren't running the ball as well. Washington's offensive style is just so unique. And I, I feel that none of these teams, if they go down by, seven or plus points, and they need to play catch-up. They're just not fully equipped to score it as quickly as Washington can.
1: That's good. That's good. And I like Pennix. Uh, I felt like he was probably one of the best quarterbacks in the league this year or in the, yeah. the country this year. It's just that he plays in the, the left coast. You know, people don't get a chance to see him because they're playing at 10 o'clock at night or whatever. Right. Uh, so a lot, of, a lot of mystery with Washington, although it shouldn't be with them being one of the two undefeated teams. Uh, third seed, Texas, the Texas Longhorns, the Big 12 champs taking on Washington in the Sugar Bowl in that, uh, that nightcap game on Monday. Why will the Texas Longhorns win the national championship?
2: I think we have to point back to the way the Texas played uh, against Alabama. And if they can replicate that performance, that is just a clear indicator that they're built to win this national title. And when they played Alabama and they beat them, and I know that was so long ago, that was obviously their most difficult game. And, and they haven't had necessarily as tough of a matchup, maybe Oklahoma, since then and they've frankly they've skated a little bit since then because they haven't really been totally challenged which is a concern but the way that they played against Alabama is you know they they ran the ball so well they were aggressive and attacked Jalen Milroe and they forced him to make mistakes they forced him into turnovers and then on top of that they took the top off of Alabama's defense which after that game nobody has been able to do so if they continue to be able to stretch teams vertically with Roma Dunes, or not Roma Dunes, Xavier, uh, <laughs> Xavier Worthy uh, and Adoni Mitchell. If they're able to do what they did against Alabama, take the top off of uh, any defense that they face, then they're going to be very hard to keep up with.
1: And then finally, the, the, the literal proverbial ele- uh, elephant in the room, uh, the fourth seed, the Alabama Crimson Tide. I feel like we've seen this movie before <laughs> where I feel like Alabama's going to win this whole thing and we're all going to sit back and go, why do we even play the season? Like we knew this was going to happen. Why will Alabama win the national
2: championship? Well, they're the hottest team right now in the country, the way that I see it. And I know that all four of these teams have played good football down the stretch, but for the way that they've transitioned since that Texas loss and got better on a week to week basis, they are without a doubt the hottest team. They're going to win, and if they do win, it's because, one, nobody can figure out a way to bottle up Jalen Milrow. And you might be able to do kind of like what Georgia did, force him to make mistakes as a passer and maybe have a poor completion percentage or take a sack here or there. But he is just such a good athlete, and he's so fast that he is going to find ways to escape the pocket and pick up extra yards. And if he does what he did in the SEC championship game and completely take over – then it is going to be hard to keep up with them. And then on the flip side of things, their defense is just unbelievable. Their front seven, uh, their secondary, front to back, they're one of the few defenses that I just don't see uh, having any weaknesses. They they have been unbelievable down the stretch, and because of the the you know the that that hot streak that they're on, I think that that sets them up perfectly. Uh, to do what Alabama does best. Play, you know, maybe a little bit sloppy at times, but, you know, play their best football in the most important games of the year. <sighs>
1: Man. And, and next year it'll be better, guys, because it'll be 12 teams and <laughs> FSU will Thankfully. have an argument. <laughs> yeah, we'll finally get it to the point where uh, it'll it'll start making a little bit more sense. But I just can't shake this feeling that we're going to have Alabama versus Texas in the national championship. Alabama's going to beat Texas in a rematch. And then, Alabama, a one-loss Alabama team is going to be national champ. Like I feel like we've seen this before, <laughs> and same uh, thing. Texas has to beat Alabama twice basically to become national champion. <laughs>
2: right, and it, 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 I always say this that it's hard to beat a good team twice, so that's that's a nightmare scenario for Texas if they do end up winning it. And I, I personally have been in on Washington this whole time. I'm rooting for them, and I think that. Uh, Like I was saying a second ago that the fact that they're so unique right now, they're my favorite. I think that because nobody really favorably that favorably matches up with them. And the other part of this too, luck factors into this. And I know that people kind of scoff at that notion of like, oh, it's, you know, what the heck does that even mean? a lot of times the luckiest team that finds ways to win when they're playing bad football and the ball just bounces their way, which has happened the entire year when they had the flu apparently against Arizona state and all the, you know, all those bad games that they played, they still found ways to win. So uh, that's kind of where I lean. I'm hoping that Alabama doesn't just get, you know, handed another easy opportunity Ugh. here.
1: It's on Michigan really like, cause I'm, I'm kind of rooting for Michigan. That's where I'm at right now. Cause I've kind of watched their journey the past two years in particular. And, this is the last thing this is the last box that Jim Harbaugh yeah. needs to check off. He's, he's beaten Ohio state. He's winning the big 10. He's Michigan football's back. The only thing that's left is to win this national championship. And it's purely selfish reasons. Cause I want him to come coach my Carolina Panthers. So we'll see. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what happens. Uh, follow Joe on Twitter. Uh, for the uh for the Rafino and Joe show at Rafino and Joe show. Go and uh subscribe to their YouTube channel where you can catch SEC analysis and college football analysis pretty much year-round. So uh Joe, appreciate you coming on and uh representing believe. Of course. Thanks for having me. And that's it for franchise players here for Friday, December the 29th, 2023. Back with a new episode next week. I'm your host, Desmond Johnson. you have been listening to uh franchise players on WTOB 980 AM and WWBG 1470 AM. Have a great weekend.